We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. A carriage driver in Hammersmith, England, was navigating his horses by lantern light on a chilly, foggy night in the winter of 1803. At the time, the London borough was only a town just outside of the city that had just been experiencing some strange paranormal issues. As the carriage passed by the lofty spire of St. Paul's Church, silhouetted against the moonlight and shrouded in fog, the clock struck one. The driver abruptly stopped the horses when something suddenly appeared in the middle of the road. In their path appeared a tall, spectral figure dressed in white. The 16 abandoned passengers were a little perplexed as the coachman leapt from his perch and fled in the opposite direction. The driver would burst through the doors of the Black Lion Inn and holding a pint of beer in his still shaking palm described a supernatural being that had been terrifying the community for weeks, known by the locals as the Hammersmith Ghost. Well, hello, fellow weirdos. It's the Dashing Dom. And Amy. Am I supposed to be the awesome Amy? There you go. Got it. Thank you. And welcome to episode 41 of Horror House True Crime and the Macabre. We hope you are all very well. And we also want to take this as your reminder that you are a positively stupendous individual. And we appreciate the fuck out of you for being here with us. Amy, how the bloody hell are you? I am utterly delightful. Wait, no, that makes it sound like that's something that other people say. I'm I feel delightful is what I meant. Yes, I feel good. I've had two Red Bulls today, so I'm a bit all over the place. But other than that, I feel great. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be recording again. Because we didn't do it last week and I was ill and you were ill and life got in the way and I missed recording with you, so I'm Yeah. Oh, well, I miss recording with you too. Um, and yes, life did very much just crap on both of us. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It really did. Um, it really did. But we're back. We're back recording. And I'm super, super excited to be doing this episode because it's it's a little bit different. And I will go into why. But before that, I just want to talk about one of the ways that you can support independent creators such as ourselves and you also get a little you also get little perks in return for this method so that is patreon yes we have a patreon i don't know if you're aware uh we don't talk about it much but yes we have a patreon (laughs) shut up we have a patreon (laughs) did you not know Oh, my yeah. Lord. Yes, we do. This is brand new information. Please <laughs> tell me all about it. <laughs> so Patreon is, as I say, a rather lovely way of supporting independent creators such as me and Amy. And you also get some stuff in return, such as early access to episodes, bonus content, ad-free episodes, and you even get your name shouted out 
during the episodes as well, which is pretty cool. You get a little bit, get a little shout out from from me and Amy, which is that's worth it in itself. Let's be honest. Your name on our tongues. I made it weird. Sorry. <laughs> that took four minutes. <laughs> Sorry about that. My bad. I mean, there are worse things that could be on your tongue. I don't know. Oh, if I've okay, just made that no, even no, we're just swerving this weird. conversation. Let's just <laughs> move on. So yes, you get all of that for only four pounds a month. Um, so if that does sound good, then please hop on over to the Horror House Patreon. You'll be supporting us, and you'll be getting some pretty awesome stuff in return. And I want to also take this time to give our wonderful patron uh, Laura a, short, a shout out for the continued support. We are so very sorry that we missed a week and you didn't get your early access last week, but we will make up for it. Pinky promise. Um, thank you for supporting us and just showing us all the love. It is very much appreciated. If the Patreon isn't quite for you, there is another way that you can support the show, which Amy does love talking about and letting the people know. So Amy, what is that other way that we can... Or the people can support us. I can't remember. I'm just kidding. It obviously are <laughs> uh, buy me a coffee link um, that you can use. What coffee? It is a one-time payment. You can buy us one coffee or two coffees or three coffees or as many coffees as your heart desires. I've had too much coffee today, but that doesn't mean that I can't do the same again tomorrow. <laughs> With your help, I can be this hyper at all times. <laughs> Who needs drugs when you can have an excessive amount of caffeine? Please help me to do that. Be my enablers. Um, and also, I'll sling dog in one as well. Like, keep that coffee if you want. But mainly me. Please buy us a coffee. <laughs> it's a great way to help support us, to show that you love what we're doing, help us to continue to do what um, And as always, if you can't afford anything, as none of us can because Christmas is coming, um, then feel free to just reach out to us. Say hello on the Instagram. The Instagram. Oh, my God. How old am I? Um, sorry, say hello on Instagram that is what I meant. Was... I can't believe I just said that. Anyway, leave us a good review on your podcast app of choice. Um, send us some nice comments. Send us some suggestions for future episodes. Um, just generally reach out and say nice things about us because we appreciate that. We do. We very much do. Um, even even if Amy sounded like the biggest boomer in the world when she went the Instagram. Oh, I've got to put it on the Facebook. Don't even have Facebook. That was uh, uncanny. I've uh, only so, just got TikTok. You can't expect me to know these things. I still don't understand it. I love TikTok. I really do. I mean, it's weird. I say I love it. It's it's pretty much ruined, pretty much ruined my life at the moment because now all I do is lay in bed and scroll TikTok for like three hours. <laughs> it's so bad. I don't understand it. All it is <laughs> at the moment is women dancing to fucking Megan Trainer. I didn't even know who Megan Trainer was oh, until I got TikTok. <laughs> oh poor Megan Trainer. She's like, God damn. If it wasn't oh, yeah, TikTok, I'm sure she listens. Nobody would know who I am. I forgot about my tea. That's gonna be cold. Oh good. Thanks for letting us know. Oh no. Oh no. Tea update. It is cold. <laughs> Just in case people were, were concerned. <laughs> so the Hammersmith ghost. Just a spooky ghost being spooky and doing spooky things, right? Not quite, because this isn't just a ghost story. Amy, are you ready to dive in to the Hammersmith ghost? I am 
more ready than I have ever been or ever will be. Might that be because you pounded two Red Bulls? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm literally ready for anything right now. <laughs> oh, dear. Just give me a minute to <clears throat> remove all the sharp objects. So. I'm good to go. <laughs> so, in the lengthy, gloomy months of November and December 1803, a rumour began to circulate in Hammersmith, an area in West London. A ghost was reportedly seen by several locals. He had a white coat and was tall, yet some of the locals have claimed that he would have horns. In the pitch blackness, the ghost came out and startled many. Some would claim that he even attacked them. Ghost with horns. I love how, like, th that jumped from the ghost was tall. Oh, yeah, he also had horns. <laughs> the, the, the ghost, he went from tall to horny really fast. <laughs> he did. <laughs> he was a tall, horny ghost. He was just sexually Sounds frustrated. Great. People would just misunderstand. Is he on Tinder or on? <laughs> I wonder what the Tinder bio would be. That would be fucking hilarious. Can you imagine? <laughs> so a servant named Thomas Groom um, gave his account of his experience with the ghost, saying, I was going through the churchyard between eight and nine o'clock with my jacket under my arm and my hands in my pockets when some person came from behind a tombstone, which there are four square in the yard behind me and caught me fast by the throat with both hands, and held me fast. My fellow servant, who was going on before, hearing me scuffling, asked what was the matter. Then, whatever it was, gave me a twist around, and, and I saw <laughs> nothing. I gave a bit of a push out with my fist. Sorry, what is this guy doing? I, I, tried to, I tried to say that without so much as a chuckle, but as soon as I got to that part, I was just, I, I, I could not. <laughs> All right, so the ghost oh, is giving him dear. a reach around. So, Got it. Great. He is a horny ghost, isn't he? He's a horny He's ghost. He's just giving people twists around and everything. Can you imagine? He jumps <laughs> up from behind a tombstone, takes you by the throat with both hands, and your first response is, oh, yeah, choke me, daddy. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to um, be around it this early on. It's fine. I mean, I started it by chuckling like a 10-year-old boy. <laughs> the words fucking gave me a twist around because <laughs> I'm a child. <laughs> apparently. I don't know whether to just start that quote again, to be honest. Um, I'm going to start that quote. A servant named Thomas Groom, um, as I say, would give his account of his experience with the ghost, saying, I was going through the churchyard between eight and nine o'clock with my jacket under my arm and my hand in my pocket when some person came from behind a tombstone, which there are four square in the yard behind me and caught me fast by the throat with both hands and held me fast. My fellow servant, who was going on before, hearing me scuffling, asked what was the matter. Then, whatever it was, gave me a twist around and I saw nothing. I gave a bit of a push out with my fist and felt something soft, like a great coat. Uh, the locals' attempts to make sense of the terrible experiences and the increasing number of sightings would cause panic to erupt into full-blown public hysteria. There was a rumour going around that the ghost had attacked a pregnant woman who then died of terror. Uh, because it was deemed sacrilegious to bury a suicide victim in a holy burial ground, many locals thought that the ghost of a man who had died by suicide was wandering the neighbourhood and was the cause of the hauntings. What kind of ghost attacks a woman who's pregnant? Where, where's the class Hammersmith ghost? Outrageous. 
I mean, I don't know if that's something that ghosts particularly worry about, is it? But there's not ghosts on the tube that are standing up to give a pregnant they woman should. a seat, you know? I mean, they should, but I don't think they particularly care when that time comes. But they're already dead. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? That's true. The Habersmith ghost was literally just like, I'm going to haunt people. And I'm, he was just walking around just being like, who can I haunt? Who can I speak? Oh, look, she's pregnant. Let's go. Two for the price of one. <laughs> Two for the price of one. Wow. Can you imagine if like, yep. he spooked her? We're saying that like it's just like a scientific thing. Imagine if he spooked her and she went into labor. Is the ghost going to deliver the baby? Like, what's Oh, happening? shit. Is that your water's no, breaking or is it ectoplasm? What's going on? That's a story. The I'd ghost is that. like the ghost is just, the ghost is like, you know what? I feel partly responsible for this situation. So I'm just gonna stay here and help. I'll be your I'm gonna help you support. raise this child. <laughs> I'll come home with you and teach the child my ghostly ways. Teach we could be a happy child. little ghosty family. I have no money for child support. Do you accept ghost currency? Because <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> uh, okay this is a weird, weird uh yeah we've made this into a weird story but <laughs> i'm here for it i like it i mean i'm uh, happy so so residents would organize a neighborhood watch uh neighborhood watch patrols that would scour the streets at night for the ghost so far so eerie right well maybe not so much because this spooky horror story is about to take a pretty absurd turn which is something akin to a scooby-doo episode and that's because a night watchman called william girdler that's an unfortunate surname deary me um was monitoring beaver lane that's an even more unfortunate street name (laughs) beaver Uh, lane oh i feel like (laughs) you're making this up i feel like you're trying to make me Make sexual innuendos this whole episode. <laughs> I'm not going to fall for it, Dom. I'm keeping this strictly PG. Damn. Beaver. What about PG-13? That's the lane that you definitely want to be falling into when you're absolutely smashed, isn't it? Oh, the, the ghost took her right out, Beaver Lane. No wonder she's pregnant. <laughs> oh, dear. So uh, Beaver Lane would run down one edge of the churchyard. Um, and as as I say, a night watchman called William Girdler was monitoring the lane on December the 29th, weeks after the hauntings begun, when the ghost's pale form would emerge from between the tombstones and started, and started walking towards him. Old Willie wasn't as timid as many of the villagers, so he raised his hand to his gun and yelled for the apparition to reveal its identity. However, it would turn out that the Hammersmith ghost didn't appear interested in a haunting as William began to approach it, so it turned on its ethereal heels and fled. Girdler would pursue the ghost across the churchyard and saw that it wasn't moving with the same beautiful weightless stride that one would associate with a ghost. In fact, in reality, the phantom appeared to be moving more awkwardly than gracefully across the earth. It was almost as though its legs were caught up in its own clothing, one might say. A clumsy ghost, or maybe something just a bit more human. I'm suspicious. Hmm. (laughs) I am suspicious of you, Hammersmith ghost. 
Color um, me suspicious. <laughs> as they approached the far wall of the cemetery, the watchman was a few feet away from catching up to the spirit when it threw its white shroud into the air and hopped over the barrier to safety. <laughs> I've just picture in my head of this dude trying to like, hop a wall and thinking that, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll throw my cloak into the air like a distraction. And these videos that you see on like TikTok and stuff where people are like, throw up the sheet and then disappear from yeah. behind the sheet and the dog's like really confused. It reminds me of one of those. <laughs> Like a really, really shitty magic trick. I can literally just picture that as well. Like him just like making a quick look back and then Girdler's just like closing him down and he's just like, right, distraction! And then he just throws his fucking cloth into the air. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. I mean, we're assuming it's a guy. I'm assuming it's a guy. Maybe it's not a guy. Maybe it's a gen- genuine, a genuine I mean, ghost. A but genuine a genuine 100% ghost. Well, maybe or maybe not. We're going to find out. So, with the supernatural entity now looking markedly less, you know, supernatural, the watchman could only stop and stare as the spectre ducked into a field and disappeared from sight. You know, because apparently the Haversmith ghost was the gold medalist in the 1804 hurdles. Who saw that coming? No, he didn't need to be. He had the distraction. <laughs> I'm gone. True. So the white pile that was laying on the churchyard's grass was all that remained of the ghost's former presence. And when the watchman would bend down to inspect it, it was here that he would discover something just a little bit peculiar. And that was that the white pile was a very ordinary, very not so spooky white tablecloth. And on that note, it's time for a quick commercial break. What do you think, Ames? I'm confused and suspicious, so yes, please. We shall see you here in just a few minutes. Hey, Stephen. Hey, Leo. I love horror movies. So do I. I don't love that I have nobody to talk about them with. It sucks you see something great, you tell your friends to go see it, and they don't have the time because they have kids and a job. (laughs) They have a life. Boring. I know. Imagine if there was a podcast where you could make your buddy watch a horror movie and under threat of death they had to, and then you got to talk about it, crack jokes, things like that. That sounds wonderful. What if we did it? We could do it. Under threat of death. Yes, so much death, so much threat. I love it. We could call it Spoils of Horror. Great name. And guess what? What? We've been doing it for three months. What? It's crazy. We're on all major podcasting platforms. You can search Spoils of Horror on all social medias. Come check us out. Hang out with us. Have a good time. Join us. If you dare. Dun, dun, dun. All the way back in the beginning of recorded history, there's been one thing that humans have excelled at, both in effectiveness and creativity, and that's been finding the cruelest and most innovative ways to hurt or kill one another. And on our new show, we plan on covering all of it. Hi, I'm Kevin. And I'm Dan. And we host a podcast called Torture. 
It's a show where we examine the most horrible things people have done to one another over the centuries and tell you about all the methods and devices that our ancestors were able to come up with, including the when, the where, and the people they were used on. Yeah, we'll go way back. We're talking biblical times, ancient Rome, ancient Greece, ancient China, to cover things like crucifixion, Lin Chi, and the brazen bull. Up to medieval Europe for everything like the choke pair, the guillotine, and the rack. And the more modern days like solitary confinement, waterboarding, and electrocution. But that's only a small part of the history of human cruelty, because to really cover the issue, we also have to talk about the people that implemented them and the events in which they were used. Historical figures like Vladimir Paler, Nero, and Pol Pot. Groups, institutions, and cults like the Viet Cong, Um Shinrikyo, and the CIA. Notable and historical events like the Japanese rape of Nanking, any one of the many inquisitions, and the story of Blanche Monnier. And it wouldn't be a podcast about human cruelty if we didn't cover some of the most sadistic people to ever live. Process serial killers like H.H. Holmes, Fred and Rosemary West, Robert Bordella, and of course, BTK. But the most important and controversial topic we will cover in depth and to great lengths, the vital discussion and observation of... The complete and utter difference between Irish and American foods. We talk about it a lot. A lot. Like so, so fucking much. Every episode, somehow we just end up talking about, well, this is American food. Well, this is Irish food. I don't... So much you think it's too much, but then you realize it's not quite enough. Yeah, like it's a, it's a little weird. Like at this... At this point, we could probably just rename the podcast The Difference Between Irish and American Food and A Little Bit of Torture. Very <laughs> you do it as like an off brunch. Yes. Thing. <laughs> I don't I don't understand. Anyway, uh, we'll have new episodes every two weeks on Sundays. So go find us on Twitter and Instagram at TorturePod. Email us at torturepod at gmail.com and like, follow, and subscribe. And most importantly, listen to Torture, a history of human cruelty starting June 26th, wherever you get your podcasts. So, back to the episode. So you might wonder, what was a restless spirit doing wearing a tablecloth? Well, if it wasn't already clear, the Hammersmith ghost was no such thing. It was just a bored local terrorizing his neighbors for his own entertainment. No. Shock. Way. Horror. <laughs> no. Oh. Way. <laughs> my. God. It was just a dude. That is so shocking. <laughs> I mean, I suppose there isn't a lot to do in 1804. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. It's like an early version of punk. <laughs> The the per like the next person who gets haunted by the Hamsworth ghost is like, where's the cameras? Where's Ashton Kutcher? Am I getting punked? Where's the camera crew? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's probably not Ashton Kutcher. It's probably like ye old Ashton Kutcher. But because obviously, ye if you want to make something Ashton cold, Kutcher. you just put ye old in front of it, and that works. But I mean, I just don't get what. Old... I mean, maybe I'm sorry if I'm jumping ahead. But what is this guy trying to achieve? Like, I mean, presumably he's already given one guy a reach around. So maybe he just really is a horny ghost, but actually he's just a horny dude. I'm so sorry. I only ever make jokes when you're drinking, and therefore you shouldn't. So I'm really sorry. 
you knew exactly what you were doing. Don't lie. It's not a successful episode unless I've made you spit your tea everywhere. <laughs> well, in answer to your question, there are some twists and there are some turns coming up. Ooh. Though <laughs> so I am still, I'm still trying to picture what a ye old Ashton Kutcher would look like. Uh, it's the same as regular <laughs> Ashton Kutcher. This. He's just wearing tights. He's just wearing tights. Um, so while the case of the Hammersmith haunting may have been nothing but a good old laugh for someone, the repercussions of donning some KKK cosplay and choking random strangers in the night would become very, very clear. Um, and this is where this ghost story becomes an example of extremely unfortunate circumstance and changes into a true crime case. Watchman Girdler was now able to expand the membership of his neighborhood watch, maybe because the men of the town preferred the prospect of pursuing a real-life prankster than fighting a ghost. I could see that. <laughs> uh, oh, what Smith, I didn't get is, you know when he was doing his magic trick? Oh, sorry. You know when he was doing his magic trick and he yeah, jumped yeah. over the wall? No, no. Why didn't he just shoot men? Come on, Girdler. I don't know. I mean, that's a, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. Maybe he was just like, that ghost heard all the fucking <laughs> wool. <laughs> He's like running after him with the tablecloth. So like, Mr. Ghost, you forgot this. <laughs> you forgot your tablecloth. Come back. You need this for your dinners. You need this Don't for your delusion. Uh, so Francis Smith, armed with a shotgun, was searching the streets of Hammersmith on January the 3rd, 1804, for the ghost. As nighttime drew near, he noticed something, and that was a white-clad figure. Smith would shout, quote, damn you, who are you, and what are you? Damn you, I will shoot you. And true to his word, Smith would panic, raise his shotgun, and fire it before the ghost could respond. The man had done it, right? The town of Hammersmith was spared after he successfully blasted the spirit back to the afterlife. Well, not quite, because after what must have been a moment of ex exaltation, Smith would realize that he made a terrible, terrible mistake. And that's because Francis Smith had not shot a ghost. Francis Smith had shot something else. And that was a very real and a very dead human being. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Oh, Francis, you done goofed. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you're not, I'm sure we're going to talk about this, and I'm sorry if I'm jumping ahead, but I don't know if you're ever 100% convinced that you're not shooting a ghost or that you are shooting a ghost, sorry. Because, I mean, even if it's a ghost, why would you think, oh, if I shoot it, it'll be fine? It's already dead. So he must have known that it probably wasn't a ghost, right? That's a fair point. When I was reading up about it, I was going sort of back and forth. Did he know that it wasn't a ghost? Did he really think that it was and he was helping? It's interesting. And we'll sort of, we will, you know, sort of get into to it at the end as to sort of why he did it. And it actually raised quite a interesting legal question as well. But yes, Francis Smith had not shot a ghost. He had shot a very real and now very dead human being which is not ideal pretty ironic um, as well yeah. <laughs> so technically he kind of did shoot a ghost because now now he's very much dead so uh, thomas millwoods <laughs> left his mother's home to return to his own the evening 
as was traditional for bricklayers at the time, Millwood was dressed from head to toe in guess what colour? I'm going to go with white, Dom. Final answer. Then you are a millionaire because yes, he was dressed from head to toe in white. One of the first people to rush following the gunshot was the wine merchant, John Locke, who would characterise his attire as this. Linen trousers, entirely white, washed very clean. A waistcoat of flannel, apparently new, very white, and an apron, which he wore around him. His trousers came down to almost the edge of his shoes. So you can probably see the problem here. Yeah, I mean... No one wears that much white after Labor Day. <laughs> God damn it, Millwood. This is why you're dead. You're dead. This is why Pretty I wear black all the goof. time. Not going to lie. Can't see me in the dark. No one's mistaken me for a ghost. <laughs> uh, so Mil- uh, Millwood's family had pleaded with him not to go out at night wearing white, which is unsurprising, really, um, as he had been already mistaken for a ghost on not one, but two separate occasions. On one of those occasions, he told his mother-in-law that he had an altercation with a group of three young people traveling in a carriage as he was making his way home at night from the pub. He would tell the guy at the reins that he was, quote, no more a ghost than them, and likely in a far more old-fashioned way, essentially said that he had smashed his face in. <laughs> How is this such a repression for this guy? <laughs> Can you imagine getting dressed for a night out and your number one thought being, oh, shit, man, I hope I don't get mistaken for a ghost again because that really sucks. <laughs> I know. I, could, I just think it's hilarious how he was like, I'm no more a ghost than, <laughs> than you. And then he followed that up with, essentially, shut the fuck up or I'm going to smash your fucking face in. Uh, so as a result of Millwood ignoring his relatives' pleas to not, you know, walk around the night walk around at night in white from head to toe he would discover himself in the hands of a half-cut customs official with a lead-filled blunderbuss it's unclear whether millwood chose to ignore the shouts or to ignore the vigilante shouts or whether he simply ran out of time before the latter started shooting kind of sounds like he wasn't really given the time to be like, yeah, I'm a bricklayer. Please do not fucking shoot me. I'm not a ghost. Also, if this guy was half cut, <laughs> he's probably having a bad time. Like, he's gone out, he's had a few little drinks, he's not feeling too great. And then all of a sudden, he sees what he thinks is a ghost. Suddenly, I'm believing a lot more that he genuinely did think it's a ghost because I've had some nights like that. Like, where you're walking home and, you know, you have this much and you think, oh, fuck me, that fox is flying and actually it's just hot. Those sorts <laughs> of things. I wonder if he went to the pub to have a few drinks to sort of give himself some sort of courage and get the nerves under control. But obviously that meant that he was half drunk, swanning around with a shotgun, which isn't well, so wasn't it his job? Well because... I thought it was a job. Why is he so scared? I think he was just some person who was like, yeah, I'll join the neighborhood watch patrol. He was probably like, oh, okay. never shot a gun before in his life, which is great. Let's give someone who's never shot a gun before a fucking shotgun. Good Yeah, plan. and send him out ghost hunting. Gonna... <laughs> yeah. So what is, however, very painfully clear is that Millwood had tempted fate one too many times and he had taken 
a bullet to the jaw. May I add a bullet to the jaw to the absolutely heinous crime of having fantastically clean linens. Disgusting. What a dickhead. <laughs> the fucking cheek of this guy. In this day and age, <laughs> this would probably just be used as like a dad's advert. I mean, like, you want your wife extra <laughs> white? It probably would. Get shot in the <laughs> it's head. It's definitely like a, a silly bang advert. Yeah, bang! Be great. And the dirt is gone, and you also got a shotgun blast to the face. <laughs> bang, and the ghost is gone. <laughs> oh god! What, what was that guy's name? Barry Scott. Was that what it was called? Barry Scott. I'm Barry yeah. Scott, and Silip Bang will get rid of the poltergeists. Oh my god! Barry Scott is now cleaning sinks oh, and dear. graveyards. It's great. <laughs> also, imagine being Francis Smith right now. Like you genuinely believe that you shot a ghost, and then you're just like, "Oh shit! <laughs> Fucking just killed a man." If you genuinely believe that it was a ghost and then you realised after you shot him that it was actually a man, I would be going over to that man and being like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you in a graveyard? You were wearing all white, being a twat. Like, you deserve this. Yeah. You know, Millwood don't wear all white when people are in hysteria over a ghost and are going to be, you know, shoot first, ask questions later. Exactly. You know, don't go dressed out all in white. Don't scare um, the shit out of people if you don't want to get shot. Yeah. So, I mean, that probably wasn't, you know, an amazing move on his part. But at the same time, maybe Francis Smith probably should have given at least like, you know, a five second window for the, for the, for the guy to be like, I'm not a ghost. Please don't shoot. Instead of just being like, I'll yeah. shoot you. And then literally straight away shooting him. <laughs> Imagine though, he's like, I'm not a ghost. Please don't shoot me. And Francis Smith's just like, that's exactly what a ghost would say. I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> oh, dear. So now began the messy business of deciding what to do with one Francis Smith. Smith, on his, you know, to his credit, didn't hesitate to acknowledge his rather big boo-boo. He was standing over the body, utterly devastated, when the first witnesses would come running down the path he would remain at the site until they could get a policeman to arrest him uh, the body of millwood was subsequently dragged out of the dirt by the local wine merchant and a few other men who carried him into the black lion pub and placed him on a table however nobody had any illusions that millwood might be saved and that's because unfortunately he was already dead before he hit the ground and that's because his spinal marrow was cut as the bullet travelled straight through and out the back of his neck. Um, the coroner mm. would eventually determine that this constituted an intentional, cold-blooded murder. Oh, I see why this is confusing now. I see why this is going to be complicated, because he didn't think he was shooting a man. He was just uh, being a bit of a twat. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, now you're going to tell me. Just... Oh, he... oh, no. Yeah. Stop it, Amy. Stop jumping ahead. Please continue. <laughs> oh, I suddenly dear. feel very sorry but, for like, Francis Smith. It... The poor mug. I got to this bit and I was just like, when I was researching, I got to this bit and I was just like, oh, Francis. You silly sausage. What, what have, have you, you done? done? <laughs> uh, there were some challenging legal issues that were raised during Francis Smith's trial. According to Smith's testimony, he genuinely felt that Millwood was the ghost and he thought he was defending himself. However, there are several facts that contradict this. Number one, he hadn't been attacked 
all he had seen was a figure in white clothing. And number two, before the bricklayer even had a chance to identify himself, Smith had already fired his gun. That's two pretty big um, contradictions to to that yeah, story. Yeah, they're pretty major. They are pretty big. I'm yeah. What do you think the ghost is going to do? Like, <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't, you know, assume a ghost's intentions. Some of them are good and nice. <laughs> you know, look at Casper. How bad would you have thought if you shot Casper? Well, that is. That is true. Smith's trial jury was sympathetic. Uh, initially, it returned a judgment of manslaughter, but the judge refused to accept it because, quote, they were not at liberty to find it. His defense was that he genuinely didn't mean to hurt anyone and that his only goal that evening was to assist. He was described as a kind man with a calm disposition who, <laughs> this is kind of, this is kind of funny, who had, quote, no animosity against the deceased by several town residents. Francis Smith didn't hate ghosts. His, his only animosity <laughs> was the fact that he wasn't already deceased. <laughs> On the other hand, the judge doubted uh, his judgment uh, for drinking a lot of beer and swanning around with a loaded shotgun while looking for what was essentially a silly prankster. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's probably a fair point. But what was essentially a yeah. tablecloth. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Unfortunately, uh, this would mean that the full weight of a guilty verdict was going to be placed on the head of our bumbling ghost slayer. The jury would eventually convict Smith of murder, and Francis Smith would have an appointment with the hangman before the week was done. Oh, but, no. But this is not where this case ends because at the 11th hour smith was rescued from the gallows and who intervened okay. only the highest power in the country yes no the crown were the Stop one it. who intervened can you hold on <laughs> this is a roller coaster i don't know how to feel <laughs> i told you First... there were going to be some twists and turns First, the victim is dead, and then the victim is not dead, but then the victim is dead because he's just been shocked. Then, is it murder? No, it's not murder. Okay, no, it is murder, and you're going to die, but then you're not going to die because the king, and it's the <clears> king <throat> at that point, will save you. I, I, all of the Red Bull has gone out of my system, and I now just need a nap. It's a roller coaster, isn't it? Absolute so roller coaster. Um, so after the court was adjourned, Smith's attorneys would start drafting a plea. And rather amazingly, they filed this appeal so quickly that they were granted a stay of execution before seven o'clock that same evening. That's a damn good lawyering. That is unbelievable. Unbelievable lawyering. Um, the shit out of it. Right. They definitely saw like the 1804 version of Suits and they were just like, right, this is what we need to do, lads. Thus, a royal pardon would lower Smith's sentence to a year of hard labour and was delivered to him just a few weeks later in the letter that would save Francis Smith's life. Not a bad deal for someone who shot and killed a man, intentional or non-intentional. Mm. There's no I motive. Mean, no. That's, that's my but, big thing. Like, you know, I, I don't want to always be focused on motive, but there isn't one. Like, why would he just randomly shoot a dude? Unless he's like, you know, I just want to see how it feels, which is very possible. Some people do just want to see how it feels to kill someone. But I don't know. It doesn't really make any sense. It's, uh, yeah, it's a, 
it's an interesting case for sure. I think like if you take away everything, you know, that we've that we've talked about before, it it's just interesting the the sort of legal situation that resulted from this. I think the problem is you can't prove you believed it was a ghost. Like that you can't have any sort of proof of that. You can't have any sort of backstory as to why you genuinely believe that ghosts exist and therefore that that was a ghost and it couldn't possibly be a human and that's why you shot it. I still question why you would shoot it anyway. Like everyone knows that shooting a ghost is going to be fuck all. But, you know, you have to be able to say, I 100% believe that that was a ghost and that's why I did what I did and rule out any sort of idea or doubt in your mind that actually it's a man. Yeah, no, yeah, that is true. And I mean, you know, he was a bit buzzed and he was probably like, right, you know, shotgun blast, you know, goodbye ghost. I, he probably wasn't even thinking thinking it through. I guess it's kind of similar. I mean, it's not similar at all, but it's kind of similar to cases <clears throat> where like someone's at home and they think they hear an intruder in the house. So they grab a gun and they're wandering around and all of a sudden they bump into yeah. their partner, but because they're not expected to see them, they shoot them. But yeah. it's that same sort of... No, I, of, I think that's oh, probably... Shit. Yeah. No, I, I would... I would, Yeah, I would say that's reminiscent. You know, I think like when you're startled, I, I, like I said, I think it was very much he was startled and in, in his mind it was, right, I'm going to shoot first. And then I'm going to ask questions later if I need to ask them. But like, I'm shooting yeah. first. I'm not. I mean, he didn't shoot first. He did ask to identify him, ask the ghost to identify itself. But then he didn't give any time. He was like, shoot, shoot, shoot. Didn't wait oh, shit. identify yourself. Oh, crap. <laughs> Fire. Bam. <laughs> Done. Oh, don't worry. I've already <laughs> shot you. <laughs> so Francis Smith's prosecution did bring up a crucial legal issue, however. And that legal issue was, does having a sincere fear of harm, even if such fears are mistaken, justify criminal behavior? The British legal system didn't reach a clear judgment on this until the 1980s, when it determined that defendants like Francis Smith could utilize their false beliefs as part of their criminal defense. And with that, the mysteries surrounding the Hammersmith ghost were finally uh, resolved, and both attorneys and ghost hunters alike noted the decision for its mutual significance to their extremely different industries. And as a result, us Brits are now permitted to kill one another at will, provided we are absolutely 100% positive the victim was a ghostly threat from the hereafter. Amy, I'm quite interested to hear what you think about the ruling uh, from the legal system and the pardon too. Please, fire away. Uh I suddenly believe that so many people are ghosts. Like, all, I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what, Dom, now, on the record, I'm 100% convinced that all of my exes are ghosts. So if I go and get a gun, I'm cool, right? Like, that's the law. That's just bad, isn't it? <laughs> it is, and that's actually mad. That like, that like, that's one of those things where, you know, you get, like, those crazy laws in certain places, like, for example, and apologies, I might get this completely wrong to our American listeners. If you know, then, you know, send us some sort of comment and let us know. But I'm pretty sure in either Michigan or Massachusetts, it's illegal to hunt unicorns just because that's a law that is just there. <laughs> you, you're not allowed to hunt unicorns. And 
that's like one of those. But I didn't think we had that many here in England. But apparently one of those weird fucking laws is that if you believe someone is genuinely a ghost and poses a threat to you, you can kill them and be fine. Uh, it's... Uh. <laughs> it's so weird. Oh, what? I like how it's... And that was in the 1980s as well that like yeah. the, the law was put in place that if you like you could utilize a false belief as part of your defense like why are people I mean, doing that you know you, I, oh, you've I, been caught red-handed oh sorry yeah. i thought you were the ghost what are you gonna do <laughs> i would yeah i would be using that excuse as much as i could <laughs> so. i thought it was a demon <laughs> honestly i didn't just want to sad. shoot this man because he annoyed me i just thought he was a demon <laughs> That is, that is crazy. Oh, dear. So uh, what about the ghost, you ask people? What about the ghost? So it wasn't entirely the product of Londoners' wild imaginations. And that's because a cobbler by the name of John Graham would sheepishly come forward a few days after Thomas Millwood was killed and, convince, uh, and confessed to being the, quote, ghost. He would claim that he decided to scare the apprentices in retaliation for them uh, telling his children terrifying stories while they were in his businesses, uh, in his business. On a few instances, he tried to scare his employees at night while draped in, guess what, a white tablecloth. The terrified imaginations oh, of dear. Londoners would take care of the rest. Oh, John <laughs> Graham, you tip. I don't know how that gets back at like people telling his children terrifying stories. How is that? What does that do? How does that you get back at them? I do get that. Like, if I mean, I don't have kids, but if I did have kids and someone was scaring them, I'd go to great extents to scare the shit out of them back. Like, you know, there's a good chance I'd end up shot because people thought I was a ghost. I mean, you don't take it so far that this whole fucking myth comes about as a result (laughs) of it. And now some dude's dead just because he had, you know, clean linen. Yeah. Yeah. And no I wonder mean, he came forward sheepishly. You know, that's true. He probably like, probably watched 1804 or heard the town crier or however people got their news in 1804. Heard that someone sh- got shot for being a ghost and then he was just like, oh, oh, oh shit. dear, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. <laughs> that was me, lads. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I just find it funny how like all he had to do was scare his apprentices. That's all he had mm. to do. But yet, like, he just goes around London in a white tablecloth. And then he just, like, stirs up so much hysteria. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Oh, John man. Graham. The original prankster. Oh, dear. And that is the story of the Hammersmith ghost slash Hammersmith ghost murder, which obviously very much was not a ghost. It is, nevertheless, a superb illustration of what happens during mass panic. The spreading stories appear to have really alarmed the locals and their anxieties resulted in a tragic death. Rather shockingly, the residents, the residents of Hammersmith did not learn from the events of 1804. And that's because people would begin to tell stories of a spectre yet again 20 years later. Only this time it was able to breathe fire. Oh, say Hammersmith. <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> Next thing you know, there's going to be a dude dressed in white sparking uh, up a fag who's going to get shot. 
just someone sees the flame from his lighter and they're just like, fuck, ghost, shotgun, shoot him, someone. Shoot him. Ask questions <laughs> later. guy's just like, <laughs> poor guy's just like, I've had a shit day and I just want a fucking cigarette. I'm not a goddamn ghost. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> the, the fact, you know, there's this whole story it's about this ghost. Dude got <laughs> shot. But that wasn't spicy enough for the people at Hammondsmith. So they were like, you know what? He's back. But this time, he breathes fire. Just saying. Great. You know, being, it's, it just makes so much being, sense. Being a, being a horny ghost was not enough, apparently. The fire breathing was lacking last time. So we're going to add that this time. Oh, God. <laughs> what are your thoughts, Amy? A much lighter episode than my previous one. But how did you yeah. find the Hammersmith ghost? Story. I, feel, I feel like we needed it. I feel like we went from horrific, violent cult to child murder to <laughs> yeah. stupid, yeah. <laughs> horny ghosts. But I think we needed it. It's it's a good story. <laughs> it's a good story. And I can imagine that, you know, if you, I'm sure somewhere in Hammersmith, there must be someone doing like ghostly tours of graveyards and stuff that's talking about the Hammersmith ghosts. If not, it's a missed opportunity. All so, right. It's a great story. I didn't know it. I didn't, you know, I'd never heard heard it before. And I can't believe that there's still a law that exists as a result of it, which is just insane. It's wild. I first... So there's a there's a YouTube channel called The Casual Criminalist. Simon Whistler, I believe, is host it. He's got, like, loads of different YouTube channels. And one of his channels is is The Casual Criminalist. And he co- he covers he covered the case in one of his episodes, and that was the first time I had heard of it because I sort of stumbled on it the other day and i was like oh this sounds interesting and like immediately i was like yeah we i'm gonna have to do this because amy's gonna get such a fucking kick out of it yeah and you know i like the old ones as well like i do like the by the older cases i think it's it's nice to put yourself not necessarily nice in this case you know it's interesting to put yourself mind wise (laughs) in a different era yeah oh absolutely so amy would you like to see us out for this week I would to see us out. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy what we do, please, please leave us a lovely review on your podcast. Don't forget to reach out to us on Instagram or whatever platform you like. Maybe not Twitter because we're useless at it, but, you know, if you want to, go for it. And say hello, give us some suggestions, give us some nice comments. We will usually reply because we're quite good like that. But thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us this week. And as always... Stay spooky. Stay spooky, beautiful people.